This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Our retirement portfolio has gone from $600,000 in December of 2021 to $530,000 now. That's a $70,000 drop in about six months. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we'll be discussing if our family has still achieved Coast Fire after this major market downturn this year and what we're doing with our investment plans because of all this craziness. Second, we are back with our Be The Change segment. This month, we are featuring Joshua Combs, who is the leader of a grassroots movement called Do Something For Nothing. We're going to talk to him about how the act of giving a free haircut to someone on the street changed his life and subsequently started a movement of generosity. And last but not least, we're back with another money quiz with my daughter, Zoe. She's going to be reading the review of the month, and I'm going to be throwing some questions at her to test her money knowledge. So we'll see how she does. All right, let's jump into today's show. For the past year or so, I've been talking about the freedom that comes with achieving Coast Fire. This is when you accumulate so much in your retirement investment accounts that you can simply coast to your desired retirement income level without contributing anything more to your account. (sighs) When you're not worried about additional retirement contributions, you can focus on other family and lifestyle priorities. But with the market downturn as of late is the idea of coast fire still a possibility i thought i'd share some details on our family situation and maybe that will help you as you run your numbers as well so last fall i published some content around our family achieving coast fire we had accumulated around $550,000 in retirement accounts. Those are tax-advantaged accounts like the 401k, the IRA, and the HSA. At that point, if we didn't contribute another dime to our retirement accounts, we could expect to have around $2.1 million by the time we retire at 60 years old. This assumes a 7% growth rate over 20 years time since we are around 40 years old. Now, I use 7% because the market average over the long term is around 10%, but with inflation being on average around 3% over the years, I know it's really high lately, but still 3% makes sense. That's why I use 7%. 10% minus the 7% gets me the 3%. Lots of percentages there. Speaking of percentages, using the 4% rule, our $2.1 million that we could have might provide us with around $84,000 per year in income. Again, that is adjusted for inflation. Given that we live comfortably on around seventy dollars to $80,000 per year now, very comfortably, with two kids in tow, we felt very comfortable with taking our foot off the gas of retirement contributions. Things got even better 
with our retirement account balances over the next few months after that as the year concluded. Looking back at our family net worth charts that I like to put together, we had around $600,000 in our retirement accounts by the end of 2021. Everything was looking nice and rosy. Recently, though, with the stock market going down significantly, our retirement investments have gone down significantly as well. Although we are diversified amongst different asset classes and even within asset classes, we've got some diversification. Our portfolio has still taken a major beating. As of the time of this recording, our retirement portfolio has gone from $600,000 in December 2021 to $530,000. Now, that's a $70,000 drop in about six months. That's tough to come out of my mouth. (laughs) So regarding our Coast Fire calculation, not only have we lost $70,000, but we've lost almost a year as well on that calculation. And according to my favorite compound interest calculator, which I use on investor.gov, everybody, it's really nice and slick. I mean, it's surprising because it's a government website. Anyway, our projected retirement nest egg at 60 years old is now closer to 1.9 million instead of 2.1 million. That makes our projected retirement income using the 4% rule $76,000 instead of $84,000. It might not seem like a lot of money, but we've now gone from surplus territory to sufficient territory. Now, if the stock market continues to drop, our projections will continue to look even more grim. To combat this grim future outlook, we'll be doing the following to keep our Coast Fire dreams alive. Number one, realizing this market volatility is normal. I definitely love when the stock market continues to rise and rise year over year, but the reality is it can't last forever. The growth over the last decade has done amazing things for our family. We've become 30-something millionaires and achieved Coast Fire at 40, but long-term investing comes with its ups and its downs. And this is a downtime. Depending on how things go, we could see ourselves in a recession and a bear market. That's an extended period of time of price declines that severely affect our portfolios. The good news is that they are normal. And according to SeekingAlpha.com, the average length of a bear market is 289 days. Bull markets, on the other hand, average 991 days. So if we hold and continue buying more shares, if we choose to, then our good market days will outweigh those bad market days by more than three times. That's where we get our average stock market return of 10%. You know, that long-term average you hear all the time. That's where it comes from, long-term. If you stick with it and you don't sell, the positive days outweigh these bad ones. Number two, continue to contribute. 
While stopping retirement contributions completely sounds nice and relaxing, I will more than likely continue contributing to my Roth 401k. Additionally, we've been buying shares in our taxable brokerage accounts as well. I have a midterm goal of creating an account in my 50s that funds annual family vacations. And I've been doing this with my new M1 finance account for the past year. And it continues to grow despite the recent downturn. These continual contributions that I'm making will allow us to buy less expensive shares during the downturn. For example, when I started my M1 account in October, I bought a share of VNQ, which is a Vanguard real estate ETF for $101. Now that same ETF is going for $95 as of the time of this recording. Another example is VTI, which is Vanguard's total stock market ETF. The price today is the same as the price that it was in January of 2021. So that is more than a year ago now. So essentially, we're getting stock index funds and ETFs on sale, people. (laughs) Number three, realizing we won't need as much retirement income. According to Investopedia, most experts say your retirement income should be about 80% of your final pre-retirement annual income. That means if you make $100,000 annually at retirement, you need at least $80,000 per year to have a comfortable lifestyle after leaving the workforce. So even though we're living off of $70,000 to $80,000 now we might not need all of that in the future. Our kids will be out of the house. The college situation will be taken care of. No summer camp bills, no soccer enrollment fees. Just more money for us. Number four, admitting there will be some type of social security for us. According to GoBankingRates.com, by 2035, the number of Americans 65 and older will increase from about 56 million today to more than 78 million by that year, putting a greater strain on Social Security. With those additional costs, I believe it's likely that the amount of money that we're being told we'll receive in that sort of socialsecurity.gov website, it's going to end up being a lot lower. That's my thought. I don't think the program is going to go away completely because we have so many Americans not ready for retirement. Removing Social Security would be a major national disaster, really. Given that, I do feel like we're going to get something, but maybe not the thirty dollars to $40,000 that Nicole and I are projected to receive as a couple. If you're wondering how much you're projected to receive for Social Security, go to ssa.gov and check it out. This is actually really informative information, and it shows you how much you've earned over the years, which is kind of neat, and how much you're projected to receive in retirement. This information could definitely help you on your Coast Fire journey. Number five, continuing to control our expenses. With inflation high and the stock market low, it's important for us to continue to analyze where our money is going. As a couple, we do this through Mint, 
as it's uh, one of our favorite budgeting tools that we've been using for, well, probably a decade now. I categorize expenses through the Mint app every morning for about five minutes. I get up, I, you know, I flip through the app, I'm drinking my coffee, and I just categorize things. It takes me about five minutes. And then Nicole and I get together once a month for a larger budget party where we discuss what we spent last month, what our plans are for this month, and then how that aligns with our future family goals. This meeting helps us stay on top of where our money is going and if our spending patterns match up with our family plans. And lately with inflation, we're kind of looking at these numbers and saying, what else can we do to save, right? Some of the things that we've done lately are switching from Verizon to Telemobile. That has saved us around 40 bucks a month, close to $500 a year. That's a pretty good deal. We also looked at our insurance plans to say, okay, we need insurance, but can we save a little bit of money by switching our homeowner's insurance, our car insurance, and get sort of a bundled deal? That saved us some money. And also just kind of analyzing our grocery spending, you know? Could we save a little bit of money as we're doing this? Because these inflation costs are uh, rising and rising and they're making it uh, difficult to keep doing what we need to do each month. So taking an extra look at the budget to control our expenses has been helpful for us. Number six, increasing our income. For the next six months, my wife is continuing to go back to school to become an esthetician, which is really cool. She's kind of changing her career here. And at the same time, I'm looking at ways to grow my income through my small business. Diversifying and growing my income in the past has been my ticket to achieving major financial goals like becoming debt-free, mortgage-free, and achieving Coast Fire. Since I'm still fairly new to this entrepreneurship world, I am still learning every day about how to grow my income more, honestly, without turning this platform into a constant sales engine. I don't know if you guys know what I mean. (laughs) It's a fine balance, honestly, but I'm working on it. I'm working on trying to make some money from my platform, but not become a constant salesperson that uh, you guys get annoyed of. Anyway, this past quarter, I was able to give myself a raise to $65,000 per year. I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy about being able to pay myself a salary and help you all with your family finances. If I continue to perform well and grow my small business revenue, I may just give myself another raise next quarter. We'll see. We'll see how I do. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a tough boss. <laughs> With those additional funds that I'm able to get through my business, we'll be able to travel more, we'll be able to give more, we'll be able to have more fun, and of course, invest more to ensure our Coast Fire dreams stay alive and well. In the end, the idea of Coast Fire is one that our family enjoys a lot. The freedom and flexibility that comes with never needing to make another contribution to your retirement is so relaxing to me. For a couple in their late 30s, early 40s, it's incumbent on us to make our own pension. That's what Coast Fire is for us. As long-term investors, I believe we'll be just fine over the next 20 years as we make our way to retirement. Continuing to buy and hold will be our plan. And I believe it'll pay off in the long run. But enough for me, everyone. I want to hear from you. What do you think of this concept of Coast Fire in the midst of this near bear market? Are you working towards a Coast Fire goal as well? Please let us know by sharing this episode on social media and tagging me on Instagram at Marriage Kids and Money or Twitter at Andy Hill MKM. I would love to keep this conversation going.
We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. For our Be The Change segment this month, we are featuring a grassroots movement called Do Something For Nothing. This movement focuses on how we can all play a part to positively affect the lives of those around us. I've invited the founder of Do Something For Nothing, Joshua Coombs, on the show today. We're going to discuss why this organization began and what it really means to do something for nothing. Welcome to the show, Joshua. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to learn more about what do something for nothing means. What does that mean to you? What is what does it mean to do something for nothing? Yeah, cheers, Andy. Yeah, again, thanks for having me on. I, I really um, appreciate you sort of, um, yeah, wanting to reach out and have this conversation. Do something for nothing is really, it's um, nothing new. It's something we all do in our own lives. So I believe in our own way when we um, connect with other people around us, perhaps without a transaction of money, but just when you give your time to someone in a way that feels... Yeah, you're, you're reaching out with the only ex- expectation being maybe to make them 
perhaps feel better about themselves or maybe you're helping them out with something that they need in their life. We used to live in smaller communities where, of course, this was part of everyday life where we had to share and uh, had to have some kind of cooperative to be able to get along, to, to be able to um, live together in more egalitarian societies today in the modern world, especially in bigger cities and more metropolitan environments. These kinds of interactions can feel scarce and can sometimes, like for me, living in London, can sometimes feel like you can go a whole week without perhaps chatting to a stranger or having those kinds of conversations. Do Something for Nothing actually began and, and, and started about six years ago when I was walking around London, seeing lots of people living on the street, experiencing homelessness. I'm a hairdresser by trade. I was working in a salon at the time. And yeah, one day I, I went out and I offered somebody a haircut who was, who was in the situation. It wasn't something I was really thinking through actually all that much, but I had my backpack on me with my things and I was on the way to a friend's house. And, and yeah, I stopped and had a conversation. It turned into offering them a haircut and that really started a, a kind of the beginnings of, of what this is now, which was me documenting people's stories who are sometimes, you know, oftentimes invisible, who value time and, and the things that we may overlook, like just being able to, to give your presence and give a conversation to someone. But it sparked into a, mo- a movement of other people, you know, doing different things in their own way. What a good time for this in our world where we've had so much lack of connection with our neighbor over the past couple of years with the pandemic. Do you think this not only felt good to you in your heart, but also felt timely? Yeah, this is something that I think for for as long as humans have been on this earth, I think that we... We respond to the same things, even though our lives may look like oftentimes like very different from the outside. You know, you know what it feels like when someone goes out of their way for you to do the smallest of things, you know. And, and, and I think that, yes, that can happen usually within our own family setting. Of course, that's very important within your immediate family to try and look after one another's well-being and check in on the people around you. But I do think there's something important that happens when you extend that to other people. And, and yeah, the pandemic, I think, has actually for the first time in my lifetime anyway, kind of, it's kind of a collective isolation that we, we felt for the first time of being starved of those very basic day-to-day things I used to take for granted, you know, just, just being able to walk in somewhere without a mask on and you smile and you say hello and you can be this close to someone if you want to. And, you know, like the proximity itself is a thing, but I think more than anything, it was the being locked down and that part of it. So, yeah, I mean, of course, this is this is an important thing always, but needless to say, and I think we all know what those freedoms, when they are reintroduced into our lives, we all know how much we're, we're kind of, we're taking them as, as this gift and, and it would be really beautiful to, to, to hold on to that and, and put more emphasis on how important those kind of community actions that we've seen, the positive things from the pandemic, how we can maybe keep them as, as some pillars for the future moving forward. Take me back to the moment when you gave this gentleman a haircut. What happened to you in your heart where you said, I can't just do this one time. I got to keep doing that. What happened right that moment? Honestly, it was, it was, I remember the bus ride home when I was on the way back to, to my house. And rather than going to do something for a bit of pocket money, which was why I had my clippers, my scissors and everything, my, my bag, because whether it be a friend for like a bit of a discount or I'd see some clients outside of work, I'd, I'd do home visits. Instead, I spent a couple hours with someone and there wasn't cash in my back back pocket but I was way richer in, a, in another way in a, in a whole different way and it, it kind of made me focus it was actually really all happened to me in half an hour on the bus which was like this realization I think that like I'd never been really somebody who 
been obsessed with the material things or like having a big pile of cash. I mean, maybe it's perhaps that I'd never had the opportunity to to accumulate all that much as far as disposable income, but I wasn't really attached to it in, a, in I think, a, a way that felt unhealthy, but it's certainly, there wasn't a point in my life where I, I think I'd learned that lesson before, though, that like actually there's a feeling you get when you go and give your time and your service to, to somebody who might need it, that it's like, it, it fills up this cup that I think we all have, you know, and, and it's okay to recognize that. I think for a long time I thought of charity and, and specifically with homelessness, it's like, the way it was portrayed to me, maybe the avenues to help, it wasn't anyone's fault. I'm not blaming anybody, but it was like, donate button online, like call up this number, or you read an article about it and you see the statistics and maybe you go and like look up your local organization, you go volunteer, which is great. But like, I didn't feel like I had that much in the way of like uh, touch point or like anything accessible to like feel like me as Josh could go and like help somebody and I was ignoring this this really tangible skill that I had in front of me that I knew in the salon made people feel good like I knew it was more than just like this money transaction a lot of the time it was of course like, I had to do a good job but there'd be people who you know they were getting a new job or a relationship had just ended or maybe they'd lost somebody in their life and you know like sometimes that played a transitional role for people coming in and like sitting down in the chair and like just having some me time, you know, just having some time where you just relax and you think, well, I've got nowhere to go now. I've got this gown around me. Someone's making me a cup of coffee and you sort of got to give your trust up to your hairdresser in that moment. Yeah, I, I just, I think I was overlooking this this thing of like, well, yeah, of course a haircut's not going to change someone's life. Of course it's not going to put a roof over their head and fundamentally give them, like meet all the needs that they have right now. But what an awful way to look at the world that if I can't, if I can't, you know, fill someone's bank account with like enough money to see them through the rest of their life or, or, you know, be able to perfectly carve out whatever their version of happiness is. And, and, you know, I can give myself, I can give what I do have, you know, that I think is something many of us and myself included for a long time overlook. It's like, of course, this thing and do something for nothing. It's just four words. That's just a reminder of what so many people do in their own lives anyway. But you know, we all have a different amount of time. Like I grew up with my mom. She was a single parent only, you know, like she had three kids. Like she, she couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Like I haven't got a family yet myself. I really very much hope to one day, like hopefully in the near future. But it's, it's like, I get if you're feeding the family and you've got people you care about and you've got stuff going on, like your, your life's going to look very different than someone else's. But it's more like a sort of mentality shift of like a couple of things for me really in a nutshell. And then I promise I'll, I'll finish this rant that I'm on. But the main thing when I go and give a talk, especially in a school, when I'm sort of talking to younger people is like, it's so easy to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, I mean, if it isn't the way the world is right now with what's going on in Eastern Europe and how tragic that is, if it wasn't the pandemic and the weight of that on this world, if, if it isn't climate change, if it isn't, you know, in the UK, division through Brexit in the US, that might look very different in certain ways politically and the division that you see and how polarized that is. It's very easy to feel way down and have the shackles of life on you right now. And I'm like, you've got to find your own way of, of getting rid of that because the world looks different, man. It doesn't mean that you click your fingers and everything's okay, but it's like you've got to find a way of becoming energized and and empowered as one person to recognize you can make a difference and maybe even though it sounds counterproductive like maybe you've got to lower your benchmark first and realize that actually that might be in the small things that you can do because 
we live in the little things, you know, we all live in the little things. Yes, we live in goals and setting goals and how important that is for like the next month, year, whatever your dreams are, whatever your ambitions are, of course, that can remain intact. But we're here today, you know what I mean? And we live in these little moments we have with one another. And I think uh, when you put a bit more emphasis on that, it starts to become a bit more manageable, the things you, you can do. Yeah, secondly was just the the shift in how we see one another. You know, I think the biggest lesson I've learned through the, the work that I do is that, you know, sometimes I'll see people who have very fierce substance misuse, difficult situations with, you know, where they're at right now with their mental health. There's all these things that can look kind of rather spiky and difficult from the outside and they, they look like they bite, you know, and it's like sometimes that's just these layers that we wear, you know, and for somebody else that may look like, you know, driving a flash car and, you know, every hair in place and looking like they've got the penthouse and everything's great from the outside. But the biggest thing I've learned is like, we've got to get better at seeing through like the, the image and the superficial here because we all hurt the same way. We all feel the same things. We all have the same needs to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel a sense of belonging. I'm trying my best and I, I don't get it right all the time just to to remain aware that there's a human being behind all that stuff. When you realize that, I think if you recognize that your time and just listening and having a conversation, it means the same to everybody too. I think that's beautiful. And I think as this division of wealth continues to grow, I think it's important for all of us to recognize the human that might be on the street that is struggling, that needs a hello. How about a smile? If they don't have your talents, even starting small, to your point, those ripple effects, I think, can make a cascading effect, not only across London, but across the world. So talk to us, Joshua, about how this left your hometown of London and continued outside of that area. Because I was looking on your website, and this isn't just haircuts in London anymore. It has grown. So tell us about that. Yeah, of course, of course. For the record, I do come from, there's a town, it's a town in the southwest called Exeter, but it's, I lived in London for long enough that I've ended up becoming like a Londoner in the sense of how I feel about, about, about that place. But yes, it's been amazing because what happened, Andy, was like from the first haircuts, for the first few months of doing this, I started to meet more and more people. And then with consent and, and people who, who wanted to, to tell a story, I'd never pry or like ask those kind of questions for any reason apart from a conversation. But a lot of the time I was hearing stories that I knew would like, they were so important for this issue because, because they kind of dissolved all these stigmas surrounding it for me through every person that I met. And I knew that to tell these stories would be important. So I started doing that on Instagram and Facebook and different social media platforms. And yeah, people started to get involved in their own way. And that was first of all through like, DMs asking me maybe what can I do and I came up with this little thing of like you know just sending people some copy of like write down three things you really enjoy like three things that you know could be your hobbies could be just things you're good at like your passions just things that you know you're interested in and next to that write down some areas that you see in your community that you'd like to change or you'd like to impact in some way and it wasn't just homelessness necessarily you know there was younger people like who students who were going in to have lunch with like senior citizens who didn't have any family to come and see them and just spending a bit of time with people in, in that way one of the first people directly with their like skill set a very tangible one was this girl Jade she's a vet and 
by that I mean like you know a veterinary like she looks after animals so she she was working in a, a practice in North London and a lot of people who are living on the street especially in the UK they have dogs like with them sometimes because it's this amazing companionship but um, it's difficult for them maybe to know exactly where to get services and Jade would go out would go out together sometimes and she'd like do basically everything she possibly could in a, a mobile way to like look after this dog give it a health check you know do everything and and it was like so nice to see the bond that she created then with the owner. And she, it's just this ripple that from working as a vet in a practice and how she was like years ago, now she's created this, this organization called Street Vet UK. She's inspired thousands of people, thousands of vets, not just in the UK, but it's branching out to, to other places too. And like, it's really beautiful to just see how when people get up, you know, they, they sort of find their, for her, it's like her destiny now. Like she's now like, this is what she does. And she's like, she's going to be doing this for a long time to come. But yeah, there was yoga teachers going into to drug rehabilitation centers and offering their time. And I think, yeah, you know, just all kinds of nice things. Cause I feel that, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not an activist per se, but I think that I don't think that's what this is about for me. I think this is, this is not, I'm not doing the work I'm doing because I'm pointing fingers at someone saying that something's wrong. I know there's a lot wrong in the world and like I might not know how to change it today, but I think this is something more, it's closer to just like remembering the importance of like, like the little things and remembering the importance of like living by like the actions, the way you step out into the world. Like you can shout about all these different issues on social media and don't get me wrong. I am politically engaged in my own way, but I don't really like to put that out there. I'm more like kind of like, I just think try and get moving in the right direction in a way that like you, you want to live like rather than shouting about it and telling other people what, what, what they think or what they should think. Like just start living what it is that you feel like start living that life. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. But I'm not into this to like to, to to shout at people or point fingers and say you should feel guilty. I'm into this to go like, look, this thing works. Like we're all humans. Like we all, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, like we all feel the same things. Talk to me about where you hope this movement goes over the next whatever three to five years. What looks like? Wow, this has made some progress for me. And the, the education piece for me, Andy, is really important. Like I, I, I speak in schools in the UK and in the US sometimes as well, and I think that like. Not that I think like, you know, anyone over a certain age is like, you know, done and, and like I can't, you know, but it's just you get kind of people who are right in the middle of like where their career is going and they're busy, you know, you get people in their 30s who are building a family and maybe hopefully if they can like put in their life together in like kind of like a way that, you know, maybe means children and, and maybe means a bit more security in their life. But like young people, I, I, I just feel that when I go into schools, I feel just so connected to to talking about this stuff, so connected to trying to offer like whatever success looks like for you and not trying to change that, but backed up with like this thing that's often not spoke about, which is through visual imagery, through like people and anecdotes and stories, you can see the difference in someone when someone's bothered saying hello to them like you said earlier saying how are you spending some time with somebody just in this what can feel like very 
you know these 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 places we live where sometimes you don't know the name name of your your neighbors you don't go for dinner anymore you are all driving around in your cars until you come back to your own little pod and and that's how we're living it's like trying to just bring people closer man trying to just like trying to see beyond the superficial as i meant earlier but for me the way to get there for me is it's more going into education with what i do and that can look like many different things but yeah so you know i mean in the past like I've, I've, I've documented this through art exhibitions and working with local artists. I wrote a book last year, which was published in this series of stories of people I've met from from different cities and different places in the world. And and yeah, for the next five years, I think and, you know I've already got my 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 kind of re, I'm feeling re-energized again to start writing. But um, but the biggest thing is like I, I love I love going to talk to younger people about this and, and workshop it, and it gives me so much energy. So so yeah, more of that. I think people are really impacted by stories. You know, you share your story, you share Jade's story. That really gets to the heart of things and really motivates people. Tell people where they can get this book and then tell people where they can go to learn more about Do Something for Nothing. Thank you. Yeah, so do somethingfornothing.org is the website where you can dig in and have a bit more of a read about this and other people who are getting involved in, in their own way. Yeah, the book is available like if you search online in your local area, it will either be a local bookstores or major retailers. So yeah, you can check that out online. And it's just called the title is Do Something for Nothing. You'll find it. But I honestly think that that is such a great way to spread this message because I mean for, for the record as well it's like it's a not-for-profit book like I mean and the, the proceeds go to the right place it's like it's it's a way of giving someone if you've ever if you've ever had a conversation with, with someone about say homelessness and some people and someone has a certain viewpoint you can get into the debate or you can say hey maybe I can I can buy this book because I, I know that I've heard some really great, as far as like who you meet within those pages, I think there's someone that all of us relate to in our own way through different stories. And it's, uh, I'm, you know, I, I try my best to pay homage to the people within those pages. I'm happy the way it turned out. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for your time today. You've moved me and I'm going to be taking some action right after this call and buying that book because I want to have those ripple effects and make this world a better place. So thank you so much for your time today, man. May, thank you. I really appreciate you reaching out. It was great to speak to you. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. To keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I have one request for you. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and then shoot me a note with a screenshot of that review and send it my way at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com so I know that you did it. And to encourage you to leave a review for the show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received six reviews since our last book giveaway offer. And this quarter, as a reminder, we're going to be giving away three different books from past podcast guests. We've got Indistractable by Near A. All. We've got Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management by Joe Salcihai. And last but not least, we've got Investing for Kids by Allison, Tom, and Dylan Redling. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my daughter and awesome assistant Zoe Hill here with me once again. How's it going, Zoe? Good. Good? Feeling good? Yeah. Was it a long day today? Yeah. You did some uh, field trips and stuff? Yeah. Oh, man. And there's Bubby over there. Our nice cat is relaxing after a, a rainstorm. So, Zoe, before we do the review, would you like to do a money quiz with me? Yeah. 
Awesome. Okay, let's do the money quiz. Zoe, recently you expressed to me that you like cash more than using your debit card. Why is it that you like cash more than using your debit card lately? Well, it's kind of fun to hold around cash, and it's easier to tell how much money you have. Also, I I don't really want to lose my debit card. Yeah. And also, my Madison does it, too. Madison does it, too, your buddy. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So can you think of a time when using cash might be hard? Maybe when, like, you have a lot of, like, money and you you only have, like, $1 bills and you have to go, like, oh, there's so much yeah, one. That's two, true. Three, you got to count out 30 ones or something like that. Yeah. How about buying things on Amazon? Can you use cash for that? No. Mm, right? So maybe there's a balance, right? We use cash sometimes and we use the debit card sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, that's a correct answer, Zoe. Congratulations. Yay! You get a dollar. Question number two. have an investment account that you put some money into every so often, right? Yep. Can you tell me why is it important to invest? Well, when you're older, you're going to need some money. And investing is good for like when you want to buy a new house or a car or a new phone or stuff like that. Yeah. So like bigger stuff down the road, not like now, right? Yeah. Congratulations, Zoe. That's another correct answer. You get another... Okay, that's good. That is very good. Somebody expressed to me, I think it was on social media, that they think I sound like Kermit the Frog when I do these game show question answers. You get a correct answer! And then I like sort of shake my head a little bit, right? Hello there, Kermit the Frog. Hello, this is Kermit the Frog here, and Zoe gets another correct answer! Congratulations! Hello, this is Kermit the Frog. (laughs) Do it again, Daddy. I'll do it for uh, question three. Ready? I'll do it in Kermit's voice. Question number three, Zoe. Um, This is Kermit the Frog here. Uh, Zoe, you'll be done with school in a very short period of time. Uh, I would like to know one thing that you like about your current school and then maybe one thing you're excited about for your new school. So my current school... (laughs) Are you doing Kermit too? (laughs) So my current school is... Yeah, I like my teacher a lot. You like your teacher a lot, yeah. Yeah, she's nice. Yeah, she is cool. And what are you excited about for middle school? <gasps> Here we go. <gasps> Lockers, um, the art room, the library room, the um, recess, indoor recess, and making a movie, stuff like that. Yeah, the group, Teachers yeah. and other subjects, like that. I love it. It's going to be a nice transition. I'm so happy for you that you're doing this transition, and I love you very much. And that's also correct. That's a congratulations. Oh, you got another dollar for your awesome participation in another money quiz. I think I lost my Kermit voice. Anyway, congratulations, Zoe. You get $3. I'm going to put it in your ally account or give you cash. What do you want? Cash. Cash. All right. Cash it is. Cash money. All right. Well, we received six reviews uh, this month. So can you uh, do the thing with the lady with the... Alexa, pick a number between one and five. I mean, six. Here's a number between one and six. It's four. All right. Well, our fourth review comes in from... TVH47, that sounds like a robot, but it's a cool name if that's your name. They call the the podcast very helpful. So, Zoe, can you read this uh, this review here? 
unique perspective on the personal finance, great guests too. Pretty much the only group giving advice on paying off mortgages as part of wealth building. Very helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that kind review, T-A-T-V-H-47, and thank you, Zoe, for reading it. You're welcome. Awesome. TVH47, I do not have your email, so if you could please take a screenshot of your review and email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com, that would be That would be great, wouldn't it be? And um, that way I can get you one of these books that we talked about. And next month, we're going to be doing the same thing with Zoe, but it's going to be different books because it's a new quarter, everybody. Congratulations on third quarter 2022. So next month, we'll be offering the books from past podcast guests, Jesse Furon, who did Getting Good With Money. We talked to her a couple months ago about all the great things she's doing. And then... Oh, your past change your future by Dr. John Delaney. Very good, Zoe. Oh, yeah, and then how about this last one? And First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Financial Independence by Dan Sheet. Yes, excellent. So please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify. And take a screenshot of that review. Email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And then what are we going to do, Zoe? Well, uh, um, like once they send that review in and we give we're, them a, we're gonna read and we're send gonna, them a book exactly that's what we do every yeah, time and I get some moolah and you get some moolah and Zoe wins everybody awesome thank you thanks in June we'll be bringing more episodes that help you guys find your own version of family financial independence and freedom Next Monday, June 13th, we'll be featuring the story of mental wellness expert Rich Jones, who recently took a sabbatical from his corporate career and realized some amazing benefits from the time off. The Monday after that, June 20th, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community and featuring Kristen Stones, who paid off $50,000 of debt in just two years. And we're going to talk about the freedom that's provided for her family. The Monday after that, we've got Bobby Rebel, author Bobby Rebel, is going to join me to answer a question about boomerang kids coming home after the pandemic and then kind of staying home after the pandemic and all that goes into that. <laughs> and of course, on Fridays, you'll hear more bread and wine with my wife, Nicole. This is a candid chat between a husband and a wife where we discuss marriage, kids and money while having a glass of wine. And if you want to choose some of our topics this month or support our show in general, please consider buying us a cheap bottle of wine at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash wine. That's just a way of sort of tipping us and uh, allowing us to go buy a bottle of wine and giving you a shout out during the show as well. I am actually working on making this show, Bread and Wine, completely separate from Marriage, Kids, and Money. So if you want to just listen to Bread and Wine, you will be able to. I've talked about that with Nicole, and she thought that would be cool if people could go just look up Bread and Wine as opposed to going to Marriage, Kids, and Money. So I will still have it on the Marriage, Kids, and Money channel, but also have a separate channel for just Bread and Wine. So go to your favorite podcast player and type in Bread and Wine. There's a lot of Christian podcasts. called bread and wine it's not that we're not christian or anything like that but we're not really talking as much about religion on our show but if you find bread and wine on there look for our mugs on the screen there and then hit follow to support what we've got going on i I really appreciate it everybody thank you for supporting our show uh, bread and wine and then thank you for supporting just this business overall with nicole going back to school for the next six months it's going to be incumbent on me to grow my business as much as i can so if you know a friend who would like this show please do me a favor and text to your favorite episode to that friend and ask them to follow 
this podcast. I would uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John McCain. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the capacity to act despite our fears. Continue to stay the course, my friends. Carpe diem.